Good morning, church. There are few things in life that are sweeter than seeing... Don't tell Justin about that. Oh, he's right there. Justin, that didn't happen. Um, But there are few things in life sweeter than seeing the Word of God read by our covenant children. Um, The Word of the Lord is always precious, but to see our children coming up and reading God's Word (laughs) is a beautiful thing. I'm having a rough morning. There we go. (laughs) Breaking everything I touch. Goodness. So, as many of you know, uh, several weeks ago, back in early October, uh, Amy was actually in a car accident. Uh, What you might not know is that she was in the process of taking uh, Jeremiah, our number three out of four, uh, she was in the process of taking him to preschool that morning when someone pulled out of a parking lot without paying attention and uh, and, and totaled uh, the vehicle that I usually drive, which she was driving that morning. And thankfully, no one was hurt, uh, but the lasting impact that it did have, other than getting me a, a new vehicle, was it renewed Jeremiah's sense of separation anxiety. Uh, and the past several weeks, uh, it's, it's really been, uh, it, it has flared up strongly that any time he is in unfamiliar territory, uh, he is more apprehensive than usual and sometimes just flat out defiant. Uh, he's uh, a, a bit more uh, just jumpy lately. Uh, I mean, he's four, he's resilient, he'll, he'll, he'll grow, but right now, there's this renewed sense that uh, the world can be a terrifying place, but if mommy is there, it calms that fear, it, it brings him peace. If, if, if Amy is with him, then it's almost like everything is totally fine. Being in her presence brings a peace and a comfort to him. And that's something that all of us in here understand. Uh, for those of you that are adults, you, you might not have that uh, feeling of like, well, I just need to be with my, my mommy or my daddy to feel better. But just think back to some of the fears that you have had growing up. And I'm not just talking about nightmares or fears of the boogeyman or, or whatever, but the fears that are associated with growing up in general. The fears of uh, what do I do when I feel like life has no direction? The fear of what am I going to do when I've lost my job? The fear of what am I going to do now that my relationship is falling apart? There's this sense of even as an adult, we still have that childlike fear of, I don't know what is going on. But there's a sense of being in the presence of people who love you and support you, give you strength in the midst of that fear. Not just being around people in general, but being, being with people that you know are for you, that support you. 
Not just a phone call. Not just a passing, hey, you know, I'm praying for you. But people who are willing to sit with you, to weep with you, to grieve with you. There is a peace that fills your soul by being with people that love you. And this is what the Lord promises his people. That's what we celebrate in Advent The birth of Jesus Christ is not just a novelty Christmas thing, but we are celebrating the Lord who sent His own Son to dwell among His people. Advent is the reminder that the Lord has promised His presence with His people. In fact, I would even argue that it is the Lord's presence that brings peace to God's people. I'm going to say that one more time if you're one of those note-taking types, but it is the Lord's presence that brings peace to God's people. Not the removal of conflict, not the, the calm sailing waters, but it is His presence that brings peace. And this passage in Isaiah, uh, we see it unfold in three ways. First, in verses 1 and 2, that the Lord's presence means that you are protected. You are protected as shown in verses 1 and 2. In verses 3 and 4, you have been purchased. You have been purchased in verses 3 and 4. And lastly, in verses 5 through 7, you will be preserved. So that the presence of the Lord means that you are protected, you have been purchased, and you will be Preserved. And before I go any further, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time that we can freely come together and worship you. And God, we, we confess far too often that we are distracted, that we try to rely on our own strength. But God, we pray that in this time, that as you pour out your spirit in this place, as you speak through a broken servant like myself, that you would proclaim your glory. You would proclaim your love for your people and that your presence would bring us peace this morning. Speak to us through your word and be glorified. And we pray this the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now last week, as we began our Advent series, we were looking at the prophet Jeremiah uh, as we uh, focused on on the, the hope that comes through Advent. And as we're looking at Isaiah, he also was a prophet to the, the southern kingdom of Judah. The, the nation of Israel has divided into two kingdoms, Israel to the north, Judah to the south. Although Isaiah was born about 113 years before Jeremiah. And so his ministry took place roughly uh, 100 to 150 years before the fall of Jerusalem. As he's proclaiming uh, the, the Lord's word, this is all a century ahead of before Jerusalem even falls. But his ministry was proclaiming the holy work that the Lord is doing on behalf of his people. And that this hope, this peace, this gospel uh, redemption would eventually spread not just through uh, Jerusalem, not just through Judah, 
but through all of Israel and eventually to the point where it even brings in the Gentile nations that all of the world can rejoice in the redemption of the covenant God of Israel. And while at this point in history, Judah was not yet in exile, the people were familiar with the the threat and the fear of war and enemy nations and even the the fear of being taken into exile. They've already been weakened by having their kingdom divided. And that's why when the Lord lays out why they should have peace, the first thing that he even reminds them of is that he is the one guarding them. That their protection is not in their own strength, but he is the one guarding them. And not just Judah, this, this protection, this, this guarding and watching over does not, did not just apply to them, but it applies to believers today, to you today. You are protected. Looking at verse 1, but now thus says Yahweh. Again, anytime you see Lord all caps in the Old Testament, that's the covenant name of the Lord, the great I am Yahweh. But now thus says Yahweh, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Even by reminding them of his covenant name, he's reminding them that he is the God who puts himself into a covenant relationship with his people. Not dependent on how good they are able to obey, but solely based off of his affection for his people that his covenant stands. And that he is the God who created all people But he's the God who intentionally created his people. Through Jacob, he formed his people through Israel. He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. You who were not once once a people, I have redeemed you. You are my people. I have called you by name. Out of all of the people in all of creation, he chose this scraggly bunch of people and said, you are mine. I've called you by name. You belong to me. And so their protection does not come from their own strength, but they're reminded that they belong to a God who spoke reality into existence. That when there was nothing, God said, let there be, and there was. And this is the God who watches over his people. And then he continues that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. This is not a literal, this is not how people worshipped. They did not walk through rivers and fire to worship the Lord, but this is a, a, a symbolic description of the pressure and the pain of life. This is describing the chaos of life, living in threat of, of war and exile, living in the day-to-day struggle and the chaos of human relationship. 
And isn't that how life feels sometimes? Life feels like the chaos of raging, rapid rivers and being consumed by fire at times. Anytime life starts backing up and building up pressure, there's, there's a sense where, uh, it, I don't know about you, but I've often expressed, I feel like I'm drowning. In fact, uh, a, a famous comedian Jim Gaffigan, when he's describing what it's like having a fourth child, he says, imagine that you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. Like, it, 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 even people who are not uh, necessarily following the Lord. I'm, I'm, that's not a disclaimer on his faith. I don't know where he stands, but that's a whole other conversation. But feeling like you are being overwhelmed and consumed by raging rivers and drowning in pressure is not a Christian expression. That is an expression of people in general. I feel like I'm treading water, just struggling to keep up. That's the pressure and the chaos of life. Anytime someone's name is attacked, someone's reputation is threatened, people are often uh, referred to as that they're being burned at the stake. Not literally, but that their very name and reputation is being lit on fire. We are familiar with the concept of the threat of raging waters And being consumed by fire. This is not just hyperbole, but it's an emotional expression of the struggle of the soul. And it was true for Judah just as it's true to us today. And yet we worship a God, a covenant God, Yahweh, the great I am, who says, fear not. I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who formed you. I'm the one who redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. The Lord is promising you his presence. He says, I am with you. And that's the beauty and the promise of the the presence that is intensified in Advent. What we celebrate uh, at the Christmas season is, is not just about singing Christmas carols and, and driving around looking at lights and, and manger scenes and all of that, but the presence of the Lord is intensified through Advent because we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, God with his people. In Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 1, verse 22 through 23 says, She will bear a son, speaking of Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, referring to Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. One of Jesus' titles is Emmanuel, God with us. His very name was a reminder that God is with his people, that he has made himself present. And specifically 
to save his people from their sins. This is a God who protects his people and delivers his people. Paul closes out the letter to the church in Ephesus, the book, our book of Ephesians, with the description of God as spiritual armor. Because the word of God is not a glorified spa treatment. It's not a self-help therapy. The word of God is spiritual armor to protect God's people from a very real enemy. There is a spiritual enemy who seeks to devour and to destroy. But the word of the Lord is an armor to defend and protect. And as we said in our our confession of sin this morning, that the Lord uses His broken people to proclaim the glorious gospel truth of Jesus Christ. That He uses us armed in His spiritual armor to help redeem the world through His Son. We do not worship an impotent God. He's not powerless. Our faith is not a a self-help philosophy. It's not emotional support. We worship a God who promises His presence. A God who says, I am with you. And His presence means that He is watching over you and guarding you and protecting you in the chaos of life, in the raging rivers and the consuming fire. And the uncertainty of life and all the forms that takes. When it comes to picking the right college or finding that, the right job or finding a job in general. And the fear of losing a job. And the anxiety of, of getting married or living in the fear of a looming divorce. In sickness and sorrow and death and the crippling pain of spiritual attack. The covenant God of creation says, I have called you by name. I am with you. You are mine. Because you are protected. But His presence is more than just a sense of protection. It's a reminder that you have been purchased. Isaiah continues in verse 3. For I am Yahweh your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Sabah in exchange for you. He reminds them, That is the great I am as Yahweh. He is their Savior. He is the one who delivered His people from slavery in Egypt. That when Pharaoh refused to let his people go, that he sent plagues and eventual death to a nation. That when his people were pursued, that Pharaoh's army was both engulfed and destroyed. This is a God who watches over his people. And although we're not as familiar with the nations of Cush and Sabah, 
Cush is somewhere near uh, modern-day Ethiopia. Sabah is somewhere along the Red Sea. We're not, uh, we don't have exact details on these nations today. We don't know much, but these were foreign nations that were against the nation of Israel. These were nations that wanted to see God's people destroyed. And God says, I have the authority, the very right, to exchange these nations for you because you are my people. This is the declaration of a God who has absolute authority over all of creation, including foreign nations and people. And he goes on to say, Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you, I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. God says, You are precious, you are honored. The covenant God who spoke reality into existence and sent his own son to die on your behalf says, I love you. And I'll give others an exchange to redeem you. These are the words of a God who loves his people and whose affection will not allow his people to live in captivity. He, in fact, he goes to such great lengths. He doesn't just give foreign nations to redeem his people, but he's willing and was willing to give his own son to pay a spiritual ransom. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. In the past few years, at at this time of year, every now and then you'll start hearing these positive news stories of of, uh, wealthy people, millionaires, paying off layaway for complete strangers. Sometimes in the thousands of dollars. Last year, the big name was, was Tyler Perry. They found out that Tyler Perry was going around Atlanta and, and paying off layaway for all these people. This year, uh, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this, but Khalil Mack of the Chicago Bears uh, has been going around paying off people's layaways in his area. And this, this is great news. This is a wonderful thing. But these are millionaires giving out of the excess of their wealth. The piece of Advent is that we are worshiping the Lord God who promises His presence and sent His own Son. Not out of the abundance of His wealth, but was willing to send the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, who came to dwell among His people. Emmanuel, God with us. But mankind didn't just have a layaway debt. You and I did not just have a debt in the hundreds or thousands of dollars. We had an eternal spiritual debt that we could never pay. Scripture says that the debt that we owed because of our sin deserved death. And so in order to redeem God's people... Jesus Christ took your debt upon Himself. 
He took your punishment upon Himself as He was nailed to the cross. That as He literally, truly died and was buried, He truly raised, He truly rose again three days later. He took your status of debt and gave you not just a clean slate, but He gave you His righteousness. He gave you His status as a holy child of God. That is the exchange that the Lord makes for you. Christian, you have been bought by the precious blood of Christ. Do you live as a child of God? Or are you still living in the mindset that you are under the ransom of guilt and fear and sin and death? Are you living the life of a slave trapped in sin? Because you are called to something greater. You are called to someone greater. Because you have been bought by the very blood of Christ. As we continue... Isaiah reveals that you are protected and you have been purchased. And he looks to the restoration reminding you that you will be preserved. Picking up in verse 5, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. In the midst of a life of chaos and political unrest and the threat of war and exile, The covenant God of Israel says, I am with you. I will bring my people back. They're not even in exile yet. And God says, I will bring my people back. Because you are created for my glory. You whom I formed. You whom I made. And this is not just good news to Judah to God's people then. This is good news to you today. You were created for the glory of God. He personally formed and made you. You are His. This is the work of the eternal God working on behalf of His people. It's not something you have to earn. You contribute nothing to this exchange. In fact, the only thing that you and I contribute is the fact that we have nothing to contribute. Our best work is filth. Your redemption is all the work of the Lord. But just as He was with Judah, He is with you. Just as He restored people then, He will restore you. Because He does the work of carrying you. He's the one who has called you to Himself. He preserves you because you are created for His glory. 
The disciple John and his vision of God restoring his people in glory records this in Revelation chapter 7. First in verses 9 and 10, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe, or from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And then a few verses later, picking up in in 15, he says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. One day, one day we will stand in eternity before the throne of God. United with every believer. Abraham on one side, your own grandchildren on the other. Every believer in the covenant God in history will stand before the throne. And it won't just be us Presbyterians. It'll be Presbyterians and Baptists and Anglicans, non-denominationals. It'll be people from the United States. It'll be people from Scotland and and Spain and and all of Europe. It'll be uh, people from from Egypt and, and all over Africa. It'll be people from Iraq and Korea and Asia, just all over the world. People will stand before the throne from every tribe and every nation and say, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Not because of anything that you have done, but because this covenant God who formed and created you has called you by name, and He is the one preserving you and holding on to you until glory comes in eternity. And the chaos and the strife and overwhelming rivers and fires of life, He reminds you that you have been created for His glory, and He calls you by name. And He is with you. All thanks to who we celebrate this Advent season. The birth of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel. God with us. And so as we finish, as we wrap up, I have to ask, do you feel alone and abandoned in the chaos of life? In the chaos of life, do you feel overwhelmed and and under the the pressure of of a consuming fire? Do you feel like an exile or a prisoner in your own life? And are you afraid of the uncertainty of what tomorrow will hold? Or will you find peace in the presence of the covenant God, in His presence? 
Will you remember that He is the one protecting you in the chaos, in the, in the flooding, raging rivers, and in the consuming fire? Will you live like you have been redeemed from the ransom of sin? And will you find your rest knowing that you will be preserved by His work, not your own? Where will you find your peace this Advent season? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we confess that far too often we try to find our peace in our own effort. We try to be good enough and we try to work hard enough to create peace and the chaos of our lives. And God, we can't do it. We can't keep it up. We can't be good enough. We can't work hard enough. And so Lord, we bring our brokenness before Your throne and we rest in Your presence because You are the one who has done the work. You are the one who redeems us. You have called us by name. And when you look at us, you see that we have been made clean by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so let us find our rest in the work that you have done on our behalf. God, let us stop trying so hard to be good enough and let us just rest in your presence. Let us rest in the fact that you are the one who keeps us for the glory of your own name. Be with us now and forevermore as we pray in the redeeming name of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.